This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. We're back on the podcast. I'm joined here by my good friend uh, M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange. And we're at the Toyota Center after the scene after a disappointing 121-94 loss to the Golden State Warriors in Game 4 of Houston's first-round playoff series. A game that was tied at halftime, uh, despite a, a 27-point loss, um, and a game in which Steph Curry played in the first half and did not play in the second half, left with an injury at the very end of the first half, uh, and the Rockets get blown out without Curry, which was what made this extremely disappointing. Uh, thoughts on this game for the really an opportunity that was lost? We got to see what championship medal looks like. Yeah. I, I really I, that's, That strikes me more than anything else that happened this afternoon, that... The scene of it all, you know, the Rockets playing very well for stretches in the first half, being tied at the break. This place is being pumped, pumped loud and pulsating with energy. And to see Steph Curry come back out of the locker room after his teammates, his teammates are warming up. He comes and he sits on the bench. We're just kind of glued to him, watching the whole thing unfold. He goes and warms up a little bit. He does some lateral movement. He goes and sits back down. And then that's it. He's done. And he walks back to the locker room looking completely dejected. And in that moment, you're thinking... Here's where it all could turn. Like the Rockets could seize this game, even this series. There's some certainty surrounding Steph Curry, and you don't know what's going to happen moving forward. And there was this moment of a kind of riveting excitement because you, it was so uncertain. And then the, the Warriors is late. The wood to them with some incredible ball movement, outstanding shooting, and defensive might that you know they are capable of. It all came together. It dovetailed in like a six, seven, eight-minute stretch, and the game was over. And really, the series is over now. And to me, more than anything else, out of all the things that happened in the series, I'll remember that moment. Because whether they win a championship or not, they showed you what they are as a championship caliber team. Yeah, I thought Draymond Green really sort of took the lead there, hit a couple of huge three-pointers, was really talking all kinds of trash running back up and down the court. Uh, he mentioned after the game that, that uh, Demo trash-talking him was a bit of uh, some fuel for him, but you're right. I mean, this is this team's just on another level. They hit eight of 13 three-point shots in the third quarter alone when they blew this game open. Uh, I let, believe they led by 21 going into the fourth after it was tied at halftime. Again, this is all without Steph Curry, who slipped and fell at the end of the second quarter. Uh, you know, there was some some talk, MK, about fans, you know, cheering and, and, and going crazy when he was hurt. I did not see the play. I mean, I was focused on Ariza when he was going for that last second shot. Um, and I did hear a crowd uproar. I didn't feel like it was a, a cheer, like something hugely positive happened. But I was, I knew something was going on down the, on the floor. Uh, but I think certainly that Houston's getting a lot of negative publicity as if they were cheering an injury. Did you feel that was the case? Yeah, I didn't get a sense of the fans were, were cheering for him to be hurt. I think everybody was just kind of engaged in terms of what was going on. It, it was a very strange first half in that the Warriors opened a 10-point lead in the first quarter. Like they were set to blow this thing out, and then Beasley comes in and gives the Rockets a great amount of energy. Then you saw Harden and Howard 
working in concert beautifully in the second quarter. And then to your point about Curry, not only was he out there, he just wasn't doing anything. Five turnovers, he missed seven or nine shots. He just looked like a guy who's trying to find his legs. And then the injury happened, and I think people kind of taken aback by it because to your point, it was so much going on that last sequence of plays. The awful turnover by Modi Yunus, the duck by Iguodala to pull the, the game even. And then everybody's kind of stirring down the court for the Rockets to get a shot. I didn't even see Curry fall. I didn't see him at all until I saw him limping off the court. Yeah. At that point, everyone's kind of gasping, and there's a buzz in a, in a crowd. So I don't know if they're... And I they're, think we thought he tweaked his ankle at yeah, that time, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't know if they're cheering there, or if they're booing there, or what's going on. And then I think there's a second reaction when he walks out off the court right before the third quarter starts, really right as the third quarter starting. So, you know, I'm not going to indict the fans based on what happened there. I think it was just a really weird situation in terms of waiting two games for this guy to come back, and then he comes back and it's very pedestrian and then gets hurt again. Um, that, that's really kind of a minor story in the grand scheme of things. I realize people want to have talking points between now and game five, but what happened tonight was the Warriors playing championship basketball and the Rockets doing all the things wrong that they couldn't do right in the third quarter, the turnovers, the missed threes, and really just not seizing a golden opportunity for them to get themselves back into the series. Curry will have an MRI on this. There's uh, a full two days rest. Or I should say it'll be three days by the time they play Wednesday night. I still don't think we'll see him in Game 5. Um, but I think the Warriors have shown they don't need him to beat the Rockets. Uh, you look at the first four games of the series, it's like both of these teams are who we thought they were. Right now, in, through the first four games, the Warriors are shooting 40% from three-point range. The Rockets are shooting 29%. Um, and it's on the same number of three-point shots, which is staggering. I mean, in this particular game, they hit 20, a playoff record 21 three-point shots on 40 attempts. Um, the Rockets were 5 of 27. As I mentioned, they, they hit more three-pointers in the third quarter alone, the Warriors did, than the Rockets for the entire game. Uh, this is just a personnel issue. I think people are certainly uh, micromanaging, looking at Bickerstaff, saying he should be playing this guy, should be playing that guy. The Rockets just don't have the shooters on this roster, period, to hang with Golden State. He'd be plugging leaks. He'd be sticking his finger in the wall of the dam, but then it would leak come someplace else, and he'd only have so many fingers. I think ultimately what it boils down to is that it's a bad matchup for him. But the, the thing that's been tantalizing is that when the Rockets play well, you see how kind of close they can be to them when they're playing at their very best, at their optimal best, and it still just isn't enough. We saw that again tonight in the first half where Matt Harden and Howard look so good together and Beasley's giving you offense and yada, 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 and it wasn't quite enough even to get a lead there. You had enough turnovers. You had really, I mean, Modi Unis has had some really terrible passes tonight. I, I thought Ariza looked very, very hesitant offensively, not wanting to shoot the ball in certain spots. So they do just enough to kind of undermine themselves and give a great team an opportunity to put the foot on the gas and run away from them. So, see, the point, and this is the point we made even before the postseason series started, the Rockets have to do so much right to be in contention. And they've had stretches where they've done a lot of right and they've been in contention, but they can't do it, it seems, for 48 minutes. And that's why they've only won one of the first four games of the series. You know, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Monday marks the one-month anniversary uh, since when Corey Brewer hit his last three-point shot. I'm wow. actually having a party at my house. Just welcome to come over. <laughs> He's over 23. Since then, it's it's mind-boggling. There was that brief moment where I celebrated thinking he hit that one corner three. Apparently, apparently his foot was on the line. Um, He's in just in a massive drought, but I think because there's so much negativity towards Brewer and he has really struggled, people are uh, overlooking the fact that Trevor Rees is having an awful series. He's uh, shooting uh, 27, almost 28% from the field. Uh, he's 4 of 21 from three-point range. A lot of open shots as well. Um, and Patrick Beverly shooting just 28% in the series. He's 3 of 11 from three. Rockets just don't have the shooters on this roster uh, to hang with this team, and that's um, just been a big problem. 
Dwight Howard said something in uh, post-game today. I think it's going to be unfairly jumped on, but he said Game 5 won't be the last game for us, which, of course, is going to be um, written about as a guarantee that they're going to win Game 5. Uh, the question was posed to him is could this be his final game in Houston as a Rocket, and it was clear to me that when he said Game 5 won't be the last game for us, or, the, or I was asked if whether Game 5 could be his final game as a Rocket, he was trying to deflect um, the question as far as the possibility of leaving Houston and, and not being here next year, and, and instead just stepped in something that will probably be pounced on and, and the, the Dwight haters will be jumping all over this. What did you make of that comment? Is that just a mistake to say something like that, or do you like his confidence? Well, to be honest, I'm surprised that this many years into his career, he's still making these sort of mistakes. Yeah. And I get the point you're making, and I probably get the point he's trying to make, but, man, you've got to be more savvy than this. You know, he's 30 years old, 31 years old. He's been a part of this game for a long time, and he knows how these questions sound when they come out the mouths of reporters, and you've got to be more aware of what's coming at your mouth as a response. And there's no way that statement's not going to be spun negatively, to your point, about what's going to happen in Game 5. It's, it's going to be fuel for a team that's already pretty fired up about the, the trash talking that was going on today, about their performance in the third quarter to run over the Rockets. And if you're Dwight Howard, find a way to sidestep that question about am I done here, as opposed to flipping it as to we're going to win this game and, and play again. Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like. He's not saying I guarantee it, but he's basically saying we're going to win game five and come back to Houston again. So I'm, I'm amazed. And it, it was kind of interesting hearing the dialogue this weekend about him telling people to shut up, the critics to shut up about them not celebrating Harden's shot the other night. And he routinely makes the wrong statement in certain situations. And I'm, I'm blown away by this because – he should have enough savvy at this point of his career with all that he's been through, leaving Orlando the way that he did, the one year in hell playing next to Kobe Bryant in L.A., and then things kind of being what they've been here the last six months. I'm surprised he still makes these sort of mistakes um, verbally when I was there. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel he's always been unfairly criticized, but he just opens the door so many yeah. times for, for things like this, and I think uh, this is something people will pounce on. You know, uh, whether they get Beverly back is going to be big. He left uh, late in the in the first half of this game, was ruled out uh, pretty quickly for the second half. He's been dealing with a hip injury uh, and, and clearly aggravated something uh, today. And, and may not. We'll see if we'll find out if he'll be available for Game Five. But you know, you and I talked, did a podcast after the Kings win against you know, in which put the Rockets into the playoffs and in this position, and we debated about the whole cost of the draft pick and, and what what uh, value it is in making the playoffs. And I have to admit, as you pointed, you, you pointed out on Twitter, the, 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 first, half, so, yeah. Uh, the, well, yeah, yeah. the first half of this was a, an electric atmosphere. The Rockets were playing with high energy, something really, frankly, we haven't seen all year, and created a lot of doubt. I think we said at that time, we said, we, you know, certainly this game's not in, uh, you know, anything definite they're going to win this game. Uh, and, of course, the, you know, what happened in the second half happened. What has come out of this series in the first four games that – that we can take away from this and say, well, it was worth giving up our pick, or at least that there was a, some sort of positive in this series. It's difficult to put your finger on it. I think I wanted to see more from Clint Capella, but his minutes have been inhibited by the coaching staff. I wanted to see Demo play consistently and put himself in position to warrant getting some money this summer, whether that be from Rockets or someone else. I want to see where his career goes next. I think he yeah. could have gone very at a high level here if given the opportunity. I wanted to see what James Harden did in this situation, given all that he's been under criticism-wise this season, having a great platform to come out here and do some great things. And I think I feel like I've been left lacking on all three three fronts. Um, Capella hasn't played. 
Modius has been very uneven. I thought, again, some just egregious passing today. And James has been okay. You know, he had a, a good game three. I thought games one and two in, in Oakland were, you know, either bad to, to fair. And today, he stuck the stat sheet at some level with, you know, 18 points and 10 assists and 7 rebounds and 7 steals, but he shot 4 for 13, and he was largely not engaged as a scorer offensively today. So, to, to kind of side with you on this whole thing, if, if you're going to go into a series knowing you're going to lose the series, you better gain a lot of positives out of it. And I haven't seen anything from the coaching staff to warrant these guys still being here. Yeah. There, there's been no strokes of genius from JB. Not to, to your point earlier, I mean, he's kind of hamstrung because the Warriors are just clearly a better team, but player development, opportunity for the younger guys who you know are going to be here next year, speaking of Capella in particular, KJ McDaniels, guys like that, I think this is a great proving ground for them to at least gain something and learn something from, and they haven't played. So you're going to end up walking out the series in five games going, well, we scratched across one game, um, we had an opportunity in another. What did we really gain from all of this? Other than some cool memories of you know moments where things were kind of elevated and it was a lot of fun, I don't think you got enough out of it. So, you know, how these things play out long-term remains to be seen. We're all going to look at the draft and, and kind of gauge where the Rockets would have been and who they could have gotten and how those players play moving forward, to your point about Bobby Portis all year. Um, <laughs> I think ultimately that's what it boils down to. We're going we're to measure this experience because really it's just the experience of the series, not winning the series, against those players that w- would have been available in the draft when the Rockets are selecting and see how they're going to kind of go moving forward. My, my only point I've been saying all along is this. You're going to basically, I think, revamp the roster anyway. Yeah. Adding that one player, who knows how that impacts everything. I just think it's going to be a lot of new faces here next next season. So I was willing to kind of hedge my bets on gaining this experience for certain players as opposed to throwing another guy in the hat on top of the pile next season of all the new bodies that are going to be here. You know, and to your point, or to your credit, I should say, in that, in that podcast you talked about the possibility of an ankle injury and opening the door for the Rockets, and that happened. It happened the Rockets yeah. have had a golden opportunity. I mean, Curry's been, if I'm not mistaken, well, mostly healthy all year, and he's had two injuries in this in this series. Uh, he hasn't even played half of. I mean, he's played three halves of basketball in four games. So, you know, the the opportunity was there for the Rockets. I I, I have to admit, I am uh, you know still bitter about it. I think that it, it's especially after watching the first two games, I felt like the Houston hate narrative has gotten out of control, and it was just embarrassing to watch this unfold and watch them play. Uh, just make a lot of blunders and, and, and people pouncing on Harden's defense or Howard's, you know, lackadaisical play at times. Um, and I just thought, you know, it would have been so much less painful for them to just pull the Band-Aid, keep the draft pick, and, and be out of the playoffs. Um, I'm looking for those positives still. I think the best thing I got so far is kind of what you mentioned is maybe Demo has played a little bit better uh, today. It was sort of a mixed bag. I do like that he went at Draymond a few times. He's willing to post him up. He doesn't fear that. And matter of fact, Draymond... Uh, talked about that after the game and said he had a lot of respect for Demo in his heart that he would uh, trash talk like that because I guess some guys don't do that. Um, but that's that's slim right now. I'm still looking for the positive. I, I will add this. I think Beasley's been a positive. And, and if, if he's going to be here next year and they're going to make a commitment to him. And he will be. As yeah. a secondary scorer to James Harden, I, I'm very intrigued by that. And there are holes in this game. I, I grant you that. He doesn't always defend with vigor. Um, he should rebound better than he does. But, man, when he gets going offensively, it's a lot of fun to watch. And if they're going to reconfigure this team, if they're going to reshape this roster and Dwight Howard's not going to be here and they tweak their offensive philosophy, they bring in a new coach, maybe they change their offensive philosophy, maybe they become a completely different team and outfit in terms of how they approach things on that side of the court, 
it's going to be really intriguing to watch Harden and Beasley serve as the primary scorers on this team moving forward. And I think seeing him tonight do the things that he does, yeah. it's it's fun. I mean, he's a fun offensive player to watch. And I'm, I'm, I think that's one thing I will take away from this. Like tonight, he just went bananas for a little spell time. And you see that it's all there. And maybe this is going to be the environment for him where he blossoms and he feels comfortable and he grows and he has some sort of camaraderie with other players on the team. And if it's nurtured here, I think that's a positive for the Rockets moving forward. Does that offset losing a draft pick? Probably not. But at least maybe you found something in that $20 bill you saw on the street walking by one day and stuffed it in your pocket, and it manifested into something greater than we all could have anticipated. Otherwise, I think ultimately it's, it's going to cost them. Now, this experience being in these lights, is that better than what Chicago and Washington have going on right now where they're out of sight, out of mind? You never really know, but I think ultimately having another body, another young body, would have helped the team moving forward, but now they don't have it, so it's time to move on for it. You know, I want to close with this question to, on the topic of JB there. If the Rockets lose on Wednesday, and I'm not just whether it's Wednesday or you know later on in the series. Wednesday. If they, yeah, okay, let's say if it's, if it's Wednesday, uh, JB may, have, may be out of a job on Thursday, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Thursday morning. Uh, I, I would expect that to be the, the case as the Rockets will then start to look for a new coach. A lot of rumors about Van Gundy. They've lost out on Thibodeau. They lost out on Brooks already. If, if you, you know, want to say lost out, at least those guys are off, you know, uh, out of the market. Do you go to Jeff Van Gundy if you're the Rockets, or do you say, hey, the Golden State Warriors are the new trend? We're, we're supposed to be running loosey goosey, fast offense, you know, high shooters, and, and you know, if anyone who remembers the Jeff Van Gundy era with the Rockets, it was frustrating from an offensive standpoint, but you know, certainly a beautiful defensive team. Well, two things. I'm going to assume that Van Gundy has matured as a coach and has embraced what's going on throughout the league and wouldn't be so stubborn to get back on the sideline and just kind of wedge his philosophy into a new era of basketball. We're not playing basketball now the way we did even when he was coaching just a few years ago. Things have changed. But to your point about the Warriors and him not really maybe adhering to that, the Warriors are the Warriors because they're the Warriors. Like They have so many great shooters that what they do works because it's like that whole chicken and egg thing. Like yeah. It's not just their system. It's their system predicated on having a bunch of guys who can shoot 40% from three-point range. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. I, I find him intriguing in that I think he's really good at his job. A, and I think he'll be able to reach a guy like James Harden because he does have enough skins on the wall having had success not only here but in New York. Um, he's His pre-established relationships with the media here, I think, will be a boon to his second opportunity here. Um, and I think just because he's been able to watch the game from the sideline for so many years now as a broadcaster, he will change. I don't think we will see the same JVG coming in here with the, the constantly bags under his eyes and look like he's worked himself 25 hours in a 24-hour day. I think he's going to be a new guy, and that kind of gives me some life in terms of what to expect moving forward. Saying that, I think missing out on, on you know, Thibs and Scotty Brooks, however you feel about them, is it, ultimately you're kind of getting back down to your third or fourth options. And let's yeah. be realistic here. You, you may end up having a coach who hasn't coached in a long time come take your franchise over when you've really been right on the cusp of doing what you've been wanting to do for a long time now. You went out and got James Harden because you're trying to win the championship. And so there's a little bit of, of uncertainty kind of getting in bed with Jeff Van Gundy and not knowing what he is as a coach now and not clear on how long it's going to take to get back to where you were last season when you were knocking on the door. That's the one thing I'm a little bit concerned about. Yeah, that was actually a casualty I didn't really foresee about making the playoffs is losing out on potential guys. Now, I don't know if Thibodeau, I assume Thibodeau was a top a pick uh, of the Rockets, former assistant under Van Gundy here, um, and, you know, 
guy who has been here before, uh, you know, came in and uh, visited when Mikhail was running training camp. I assume the Rockets were interested in him. Uh, I, I can't get over the fact that the Van Gundy Les Alexander relationship was sour when when he left. Mm-hmm. So I just don't know if that has cleared up. I haven't heard. I know that uh, Daryl and Van Gundy get along great. They would probably have a great working relationship. I know. I know Van Gundy was pretty concerned when you know they brought Maury on uh, initially back then, you know, ten uh, years ago or so. Um, but uh, I, I know now they would, they would get along great and, and be on the same page. But it, the owner's uh, relationship is what I'm just not sure of. But they're looking for a championship-level coach, a top-name coach. He's the guy that come, that leaps he, off the page. He's there. Yeah, yeah he's, he's there. He, he makes his home here in Houston still. Um, so we'll see. But uh, this is going to be interesting. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. And um, we coming back here at all? We'll be back in Houston because I'm sure we're going to hang out and eat, but I don't think we'll be back here until the other center for a long, long time. Not for Game 6. That's MK Bauer. I appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks, Dave.